0: it's our job to tell better stories and always remember it's the risk takers that are rewarded people are sick and tired of being marketed to and they're sick and tired of being sold the single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying differently
1: hey everyone and welcome to the growth up podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency advanced b2b It's your host here, Edward Ford, and joining us today on the show is Bruno Bean, head of marketing at SMARP, an employee communication, engagement, and advocacy platform. Now, Bruno joined SMARP as their head of marketing just under a year ago, and in this episode, we hear how Bruno and the SMARP marketing team were able to 10x lead gen and 2.5x pipeline during his first six months and the impact this has had on revenue. So we start off by hearing about their strategic shift to focus purely on the enterprise space and discuss topics from positioning and narrative storytelling right through to Bruno's four-step framework for building a pipeline engine alongside some of SMARP's most effective demand gen tactics. So we have all this and more, including Bruno taking on our FastFi Challenge here on episode 36 of the Growth of podcast with Bruno Bean, head of marketing at SMARP. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Up podcast and it's my pleasure to welcome Bruno Bean, Head of Marketing at Smart. So Bruno, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth Up podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, super excited.
1: Yeah, super excited to chat with you about what you've been doing at Smart. and you joined about eight or nine months ago and today we're gonna to be discussing how you have been able to 10x lead gen and 2.5x pipeline in about just six months' time. So to start, can you tell us how did you actually approach your first few weeks at Smart, and how did you go about identifying these opportunities that would actually impact lead gen and pipeline?
0: Yeah, definitely. First, I like how precise you were about my my time here at Smart—eight to nine months. I like it. That's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the first there was there were really a couple things that um, I wanted to focus on when I first joined smart one big one was our messaging you know all the work around making sure our value proposition is really strong and um, all that narrative and storytelling work that that is really the backbone for for everything else that you will eventually amplify Um, so I really really spent time crafting our messaging make sure making sure that their story uh, was was really really rock solid before we really thought about you know how do we get it in front of the right people what kind of channels or uh, tactics and tools we're going to be using so that was one one big um, really you know time consuming and difficult work to do um, but I wanted to tackle that right away and then the second thing was, was our technology infrastructure so I think in most B2B, business, B2B businesses today that really like the heart and soul of, of the operations are your marketing automation and your CRM systems. So just making sure that, you know, those are communicating and the type of syncing and integrations that you have and what you're able to track and report on um, the types of processes and, and um, automations that you can build for efficiency. I knew that that was something that we would need in order to handle the kind of scale that we, we were going for um, so that we could actually make the best out of those leads once they actually come in.
1: Okay, cool. So you mentioned earlier that uh, there were also three primary concepts or pillars that you built your growth around at SMOP, and these were switching to an enterprise focus building a pipeline engine, and waiting leads. So you mentioned in in that previous answer as well that you were really focusing on two key things. So firstly, the the narrative, the story, that this is really tied to the brand and and positioning side of things, but then also the the automation CRM side of things, so so the tactical demand gen. And uh, let's break these down and, and explore these three points in more detail. And I think it's super interesting that you switched to Focus on the enterprise segment. So, why did you do this and and how did it impact your marketing from that strategic positioning, storytelling, messaging side of things, right through to the tactical demand gen and marketing ops side of uh, the story?
0: Yeah, so I think if you think about what Smart does, it just makes sense that we would focus on enterprise. And what I mean by that is that Smart helps businesses connect their employees with relevant content. Um, so we are very much in the employee communication space. Um, and if you think about it, you know communications are more complex the more employees you have. The bigger the company, the more complex your organizational chart becomes, the more difficult, the bigger challenge communications become. So, you know, and this is something that we also saw, it was backed up, by our own data from, you know, analyzing product marketing fit within different segments. And, um, you know, Smart has been selling to enterprise and mid-market and small businesses. Uh, and there is value for all of those different segments, but when it, you know, when it comes to an enterprise business, the value is just much bigger because the problem is much bigger. Um, so that was a big part of why we decided to focus on enterprise. Um, now, you know, the other element of it is that if you try to do everything for everybody, you really don't have anything for anyone uh, that well. So it was about focus, about saying no to certain things so that we can focus on, you know, this one common, um, you know, goal that we would as, as a business, um, focus all of our efforts so for marketing of course there is all of the narrative work and what it means in terms of our processes and all the technical side of things but um, that has an impact on how our sales process look like or even on the marketing side little things like what kind of ctas you have on the website um, but really really importantly as well on the product so there are certain features that are really key for an enterprise for, for the enterprise market and there are certain features that are really key for a small businesses. so it's, it's learning about saying no to a lot of things and you know holistically as a business making the right decisions and focusing on what the, the, the ultimate goal is.
1: Yeah, can you talk us through the process of how you actually went about crafting that story, that narrative that would speak to the enterprise uh, segment?
0: Yeah, so I find that a lot of uh, a lot of SaaS businesses they tend to focus on what they sell, you know, the actual product. Um, but and this is something that I think a lot of marketers are talking about nowadays. Which is, um, I mean, if you look at the Martech landscape graph that or image that comes out every every year, it's scary, right? The amount of new marketing technology. Uh, Being 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 launched every year. I think we're at at about 7,000 or so now So you just can't compete on Just having the most features or you can't you can't compete on product That's why we see this, you know, so many marketers talking about branding and positioning etc so a lot of the work we did was to move from talking about what we do and then thinking through to the how to the why and eventually Um, trying to find uh, a undeniable change or shift in the world that we could align the business with. Uh, And when you, when you find that, then um, you can ride that wave uh, for much faster growth. Um, And then of course the the enterprise piece of it is, is something that you have to consider in every single step as you, as you do that work. Um, And I, I have to say it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. I think any marketer who says, you know, positioning is super easy is lying. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's, it's about um, being honest to yourself and trying to break everything that you eventually think that you found it. And then it's about, you know, sitting down and trying to break it, finding, um, you know, being really, really brutally honest because that's what the market will be, will do to you. So, um, you know, just, getting it and then trying to break it, sleeping on it. Then the next day, you know, reevaluating: do we actually have it? Um, getting some outside opinions and, you know, talking to customers, uh, talking to, to prospects, et cetera, until eventually you have, again, that really solid messaging and narrative work that you need to have before you start amplifying it to, to the rest of the world and um, ideally get it in front of the people that uh, will eventually buy from you. Yeah, this is great. And you mentioned there about
1: starting with this undeniable change or shift that is happening in the world. And is that from Andy
0: Raskin and, and his framework? Absolutely. Yeah. I used to be um, a big fan of um, um, Simon Sinek's uh, circle, uh, golden circle of the, the what, how and why. Um, but then Randy stole my heart Um, so I've been getting uh, very deep into all his ideas and concepts and I I just think it's brilliant
1: yeah yeah definitely absolutely and I think like you said all the time more and more marketers are talking less so about the the demand gen and tactics side of things but also really digging into the strategic positioning and the brand and the storytelling side of things like because as you said this this is as important nowadays in the consolidated world of SaaS. But um, moving on from there, you you also focused a lot of your efforts on actually building up a solid pipeline engine at Smart. So moving from, from this storytelling narrative side of things into actually building this pipeline engine, how did you actually go about doing that?
0: Yeah, so honestly, when it comes to the pipeline engine, There is no hack. uh, There's no trick to this engine. It's really just a framework to help make sense of the madness that it is, you know, B2B marketing in 2019. So um, the way I look at it is that it's made out of four different parts. So the first one is the foundation and plan part, which, to be honest, we very much talked about it uh, by now, which is, you know, your technology infrastructure, your marketing automation, your CRM, all of the other, you know, uh, MarTech that you are layering on top of that, how everything is communicating, um, being able to track and report everything, automate as much as possible. Um, and then the messaging and, you know, narrative work. So very much this foundation uh, piece of the engine. You have to have that right before you're able to really even start thinking of scaling so that, you know, you're not just pouring money into a machine that's broken. Um, And then you have the second part of this engine, which is the demand generation. Um, And there you have all your content development, you know, the content that you're you're creating. So, you know, whether that's social media, blogs, um, working with influencers, PR, um, heavier assets like eBooks, success stories, um, whatever that may be for your business, that's part of this demand generation piece of the engine. And um, the other part of the demand generation piece is how you actually distribute this this content that you're creating. So uh, whether that's paid search, um, whether it's content syndication, maybe you're doing buying, buyer intent programs. Um, maybe you, you, well, we use Marp to distribute content internally as well. Um, so whatever that may be, that is always something that I start to layer into this second part of the engine. And then third part, lead engagement. So if you think about it, demand generation is all about you know, getting people in, building your database, getting them to know who you are, get them to become known in your engine. And then the engagement is about kind of driving them through to the point where they raise their hands, they're ready to talk to sales, and then actually support sales to continue telling the same story and the conversation they marketing already started. So it doesn't end on that hand raise. But you know, what some of the things that are included in this lead engagement piece would be I don't know, email nurture programs, uh, lead engagement campaigns, sales enablement materials, etc. And then finally, fourth and last piece is the optimization piece, where really um, you review all the results, you share the results, uh, you figure out what worked, what didn't, uh, what you can learn from it, and you then start to optimize the the whole engine as you go. So the idea here is that. This framework allows you to set a baseline of what you can expect to come out of whatever money you put through the engine. And you know you can only improve. So as each piece of the engine becomes stronger, so do your results. Um, and you can start to do other cool things with it, like you know, you can layer in your 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 team on you know, the different pieces of the engine to figure out where's my team mostly focused. Um, am I covering all the parts? Am I focused too heavily on this? Am I maybe neglecting that aspect of the engine. Um, what about marketing tech marketing technology do i do I have the my right technology in all of the different pieces? Where are we strong? Where are we weak? What about in terms of content um, or even you know on a quarterly basis? I usually like to do that, which is look at it on a quarterly basis and figure out where we put our efforts, where have we progressed, uh, where should we focus on a bit further, maybe the next quarter. Um, but in the end, it's just a framework to make sure that you can make sense of all of the things you're doing. It's never fully done. You're always adding new branches and pieces to it as, as you develop the engine further, but it's a way to make sense of the madness and understand know, try to predict how much pipeline you can get from whatever budget you put through the engine.
1: Yeah, I think this is great. And like I said, it's very easy to overcomplicate things in marketing. So having this simple four-step framework in terms of building a pipeline engine is is super valuable. So there was the first step, just to recap the foundation and and the planning. So that's regarding the, the tech stack and messaging. Then the second was demand gen, thirdly lead engagement, and then fourth, learning looking at the results and optimizing for future and you mentioned there during the lead engagement side that you wanted to help people get to the point where they're ready to talk to sales and then sales could continue that story and this leads really nicely onto the third point and that was uh, the third focus on actually weighing and weighting leads and ensuring you're providing your sales team with good quality opportunities. So could you dig into that a little bit more and tell us how you actually did that?
0: Yeah, so um, I think that a huge part of the whole marketing and sales forever battle is has to do with uh, something that this idea of weighing leads actually addresses, which is leads are not all equal, right? So if you have, say, you know, John A. Uh, who John a is a product marketing manager at an enterprise business uh, business in the US and then you have John B who is a product marketing manager at an enterprise business also in the US so you know they're virtually virtually identical now John a comes to your website and he requests a demo and John B comes to your website and downloads an ebook So if you think about it, who is going to convert better? Well, John A, because he requested a demo, Uh, maybe he's closer to making a buying decision. And who is easier for marketing to generate? Well, that's John B, because it's easier to get someone to download an ebook than request a demo. Um, And that right there, I think, is something that, personally, I missed for many years in my career. in a sense that if marketing is targeted at an you know an mql number then well marketing could just focus on those ebooks and you know downloadable type of ctas and ultimately you wouldn't produce enough pipeline value uh for your sales team so once again like this is not something that i came up with this is something i read on a book by uh, called the sales acceleration formula by Mark Roberge, who was the former CRO for HubSpot. And I kind of just took that and adapted to what made sense for Smart. Uh, but in essence, once we did that, um, you know, once we realized that, what we did is we took all of the MQLs that we were creating, creating and we started weighing them on, you know, whatever type they were. So then obviously the next question is, uh, how do you figure out the types of MQLs that you have? So what we did is there, we looked at one behavioral um, behavioral uh, value, I guess, and one demographic value. So the behavior was obviously uh, related to is it a sales-ready lead or more of a downloadable type of lead. So sales-ready is your you know, book a demo, contact us, or whatever. Maybe for your business, that's a free trial, um, and then downloadable is you know any type of content consumption from an ebook to a webinar, whatever that might be. Um, so that's on the behavioral side. And then we try to figure out you know what's the most important demographic uh, you know value that we can that we can use to figure out how much value each type of MQL has for smart. And as I mentioned before, you know the bigger the business, the more value they will see. The more fit they will see for Smart, so number of employees became that that uh, that demographic value for us. So we grouped it into small, mid-market, enterprise, and then when you combine that demographic and behavior values, you end up with you know, six possible combinations. So you have your enterprise sales ready, enterprise downloadables. You have your mid-market sales ready, mid-market. Downloadables and, and so on, uh, and then when you you can take that, you can look at your data, say your last three quarters, your last year, and um, you know just look at how the conversion rate was for each one of those groups, which ultimately will allow you to have a pipeline value that you can attach to each single MQL depending on the type they are. Um, so you can then program that into your into your CRM into your systems so that. Anytime someone comes in, they're automatically categorized um, and you end up with you know a sum of how much of this estimated pipeline you have actually generated. The reason why we love it is because, you know, if you're on a I've been on an MQL target before and then there's a lot of you know sales saying, you know, the quality is not good, even though you hit your target. Or you know, I've been in companies where my target was an actual pipeline target in the CRM. And then you put yourself in a position where marketing is saying, well, I'm not really responsible for turning them into an opportunity. So there's 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 room for for arguments there. But once you do this, now you're basically saying, you know, based on the actual performance from our in you know, our sales performance from the last year uh, and the types of MQLs that marketing delivered this is how much pipeline we estimate that we should be able to create. And for us, that's especially important because we're selling enterprise software. So our sales cycles are quite long, So this allows us to immediately, you know, have an understanding of, you know, being able to estimate how much pipeline we're generating and help a little bit with the whole marketing and sales battle.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, I guess leads and, and pipeline though are only half the story. So if we take this one step further, how did you actually then ensure that that sales and marketing alignment and overcome that battle and and what happens when those MQLs are passed over to your sales team?
0: Um, I mean, we have you know a pretty well defined sales process that that we that we follow once the MQLs hit our sales team. Um, with regards to to revenue, I mean once what what we are seeing is that once you have this you know really solid messaging work and value proposition and storytelling around your product what happens is that because you are educating the marketing market better people understand you know how you provide value to them early on we're starting to see an effect on actual pipeline velocity Meaning, you know, we're closing the deals faster. Our 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 um, the length, the average uh, length time that it takes for a deal to close is is shrinking, which is really good. Um, By being able to track everything, we you know, we understand the types of MQLs that are valuable for our team, how much they are worth. So, in essence, I mean, as we scale. The lead generation and the pipeline creating creation side, uh, we are, you know, able to maintain the same kind of conversions and whatnot, so that you can actually scale revenue.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you also mentioned that uh, you've been using Drift. So we were speaking just before. Uh, the show so how has that actually changed the speed at which you're able to generate leads and and the impact on on your funnel because of course that is the first step of building the pipeline engine the technology stack that's part of the foundation so so how has how has that actually changed the way that you you guys work
0: yeah i've definitely drank the drift cool juice um they yeah i mean they're, they're doing great things with their marketing and we have been using Drift for, Drift for a few few months now. And ultimately, I think that as with any marketing tool, it's as good as how you use it. So, you know, if you think of marketing automation tools, there's so much you can do with it. So you really have to be an expert on, on that field to be able to get the best out of it. Uh, and we have had some really early success with Drift, and you know, closing some deals really, really fast for what we normally see. Um, but ultimately, just trying to play around with, you know, improving how we are using it. And I guess the main thing that that I, I that that we've noticed is that. You know, let's be honest. If, when someone is buying software today, you go to to a website, you request a demo, you start a trial. I mean, chances are you're going to go and request a demo at two or three different companies. Um, that speed of reaction is everything. To be the first one to to get a meeting booked, to get on the phone with with that person, it's it's the biggest biggest factor when it comes to or your ability to improve those conversion rates uh, and drift really helps um like kind of make that connection and get you talking to that person faster so um it's a great tool for that but i think ultimately ultimately that's the lesson right it's it's about speed um if you can get to them the first one to if you can be the first one to talk to them um and if um, if you can talk to them while it's still relevant, you know, if you take 24 hours next day, they've done 20 other things by then. So um, that's, I think, the biggest lesson that we've had from that experience.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's not so much a race to the market, but more a race to the customer now in, in the world of SaaS in 2019. and. Like I said, you've been able to ten x lead gen through through this approach, these frameworks, this these initiatives that you've launched at Smart. You've two point five x pipeline during the time you've been at Smart. But can you tell us a little bit about what impact these marketing initiatives have have had on revenue? Because of course, that's that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: we, I mean, we have a pretty long sales cycle, so a lot of the opportunities that we created, you know, when I first started, we are now starting to see that closing into business, but things are good. We we have been able to maintain or improve our conversion rates on the sales side. Um, we were able to increase the amount of pipeline that we've been generating, uh, increased marketing contribution, and yeah, I mean, things are good. Uh, we are, we're seeing the results on, on the revenue side, thankfully, as well, which is great, so I get to keep my job. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's awesome. and. Another important thing for marketers that you spoke about earlier is the need to get comfortable with learning and iterating on what others have already done or figured out instead of always trying to invent something new or or coming up with these silver bullets to impact marketing. And you spoke about like Andy Raskin's framework and Mark Roberge's book that you've kind of lent on already. So, uh, of course, coming up with something new is, is not exactly sustainable. So how have you actually applied this thinking to marketing at Smarp,
0: yeah, um, that's a really good question. I had a manager really early on in my career who kind of taught me this because at the time I was doing marketing operations, and um, we were coming across all these different challenges. And I would just sit there by myself and you know try to figure it out. And eventually, uh, this manager turned to me and said, "You know, what you really should do is." Build a network of peers that you can go and reach out to when you when you have these when you have these challenges and these questions that you're trying to answer. Uh, you know, be resourceful. And that was a that was a huge huge lesson. And um, I mean, I looking back, it's it's almost arrogant to think that you're just gonna sit there alone and you know figure out something better than probably other hundred businesses have already tried around that same question. Um, and you're also going to be much faster if you're, if you're learning from others. So, um, it's something that I tried to, to apply a lot here at Smart. Um, as you, as you mentioned, um, there are some learnings from, from Mark Roberge's book. Um, there is, uh, even, even when it comes to the pipeline engine, I I've seen that in two different companies before and, you know, kind of. Keep iterating on it. But the the key thing is that it's not so much about, you know, copying what others have done, but it's just adapting and finding, you know, what you can learn from that to solve the problem you have, how you can adapt that to your own needs. Um, And uh, that, that allows you to grow much faster, learn much faster. And yeah, a lot, a lot more, more, um, scalable I guess you can't rely on always having a brilliant idea at least I can't um, if someone can then well that's pretty impressive <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and I
1: think this is definitely one theme of, of everyone who comes on the show and, and a lot of people I speak with about how obsessed everyone is with learning and not trying to reinvent the wheel but just really take what others have done and and take that as a starting point and try to build that into things you're doing and uh, I think also uh, Mikko from Advanced B2B, he had this uh, saying that the best marketers don't copy, but they shamelessly steal. So really, there's, <laughs> everything's been done. It's just a case of going out there and, and seeing what you can take into your own situation. So yes, this was great. And now I think, Bruno, we could move on to our closing questions and the Fast Five Challenge. So all I'm going to do is ask you five questions and you just need to answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Yes. All right, let's do it. First question, what's the one book that you'd recommend others to read? I'll keep it obvious. The Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark <laughs> Roberge. Excellent. Second question, a SaaS company that you love and why?
0: Um, Typeform. I, they have great brand messaging, UX, attention to detail is second to none. Let's go with Typeform.
1: Yeah, big fan of Typeform too. Third question then, your favorite place
0: to read about marketing online? Um, I don't really have any special blogs or websites. Mo- I mean, mostly LinkedIn and Smart. Uh, I get uh, recommendations from peers internally on Smart, externally on LinkedIn, and they usually have some pretty good stuff relevant to me, company and industry type of news that, um, yeah, it's usually dead on. Great, fourth question most important growth metric? Um, whatever shows users getting value out of your product. So whatever your North Star metric is. For us, that's
1: gross amount of reads. Great. And then fifth and final question, what would be your best piece of
0: advice for fellow marketers? Don't spend your time focusing on what others are doing. Focus on what you're doing, you're good at. Be original and absolutely obsessed over messaging.
1: Yes, perfect. Well, Bruno, I have to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing what you've been doing at Smart. It was absolutely awesome to chat with you this morning.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast and the guests you've had in the past. So really, really glad to join.
1: That was Bruno Bean of Smart talking about how they were able to 10x lead gen and 2.5x pipeline in just six months. Now you can find Bruno on LinkedIn if you want to connect and if you are enjoying the show then please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at NordicEdward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of podcast from Advance B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out AdvanceB2B.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories.
0: And always remember, it's the risk-taking
1: marketing is how our
0: customers are